It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up and welcome into a draft day edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. He's Jake Lisko. I'm James Erpine. Make sure you subscribe right now if you're new because we have a ton of draft content coming your way all weekend long. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. And Jake, we have a special, special guest for our draft day edition of the podcast. Dave Lapham is here. And speaking of podcasts, Dave, you just launched In the Trenches with Dave Lapham. First off, appreciate the time. But uh, secondly, tell our listeners about this podcast, why you launched it, who's going to be on it, because I've, uh, I've listened to a couple episodes already and it's uh, a damn good show. Yeah, it's, it's really pretty new. It's only been around, uh, gosh, less than a month, I, I guess. And uh, the First Star Logistics is, our, is the presenting sponsor, and they've set up a studio over at their location. We're podcasting from over there, and, and it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun catching up with former teammates, you know, Bengal alums, done some Reds, done uh, Tom Browning be coming out, uh, Joe Oliver, uh, Eric Davis, just, uh, just trying to get uh, this life kind of aspect to what those guys uh what those guys done and um did phil sims and then here just uh yesterday we posted uh his son chris and then the sims family is kind of like the manning family the first family of football in terms of <laughs> quarterbacks and, and and particularly in the broadcast world obviously and chris sims had some uh had some good nuggets and as did wit wit dropped a few things Wit was talking about this being his last Last year, you know, he talked. He's talked about retiring multiple times, but when he threw that out there again, he seemed pretty, pretty certain that this might be it. And then talked about maybe getting into a front office position with the team, and I would assume the Rams would be probably the focal point of that, if not getting into the broadcast world. So, Big Wit may be transitioning here a little bit. <laughs> How about that, Dave? I got to ask you, DL in the trenches. Your your Twitter handle here is this you or or is somebody managing? the Twitter stuff for you. Yeah. The Twitter stuff is just a a way to uh, pump up the podcast. I am not a Twitter guy. I'm not going to spend my day uh, on Twitter. That's not going to (laughs) happen. But when I'm in the studio, I do, I do answer some of them. I do, you know, answer some of the, uh, some of the tweets, but I'm not, I'm not sitting, uh, sitting down in front of uh, Twitter for, for hours uh, working that thing. I'm not into that yet. I, I guess, I guess I need to trade down. Uh, as far as Twitter's concerned, trade down to a later round. <laughs> no, I, I don't blame you. It's probably better off that you avoid Twitter because there's there's benefits to it, but there's certainly a lot of negatives as well. Uh, certainly, we appreciate you giving us some time. We know it's a busy week for you. And we want to ask you about the fifth pick and everything the Bengals are going to do. But I, I know Jake was curious about 
what this time of year is is like for you and in the the people you talk to from a draft perspective and uh how much film you watch on these guys because obviously i think everyone uh cincinnati wise and, and Bengals fans across the country when you speak about the draft they listen and, and and they listen with both ears down to the ground and uh what's it like doing what do you put into it i guess what when it comes to the draft because it seems like you're right much more than you're not when it comes to the Bengals. Well, it's not it's not anything like the scouting department or the coaches or anything like that put into it. Those guys, it's amazing how much work they put into it. But having been around the league for as long as I have and even doing, you know, college football for as many years as I did, um, you know, coaches, it's a big fraternity, you know, and coaches from the college ranks go to the professional ranks and vice versa, then back to the college uh, situation. And, and so I have a... Uh, a pretty good contact list of, of guys that I feel like I can trust and get opinions from both at the collegiate level and at the professional level. And, um, you know, not, not just Cincinnati with the UC or, or uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, but, um, you know, did, did some uh, SEC games, ACC games in the past, have done big 12 games in the past and have a lot of, uh, you know, different people around the league after been around for as as long as I have 30, this will be the 36th, I guess it is, uh, year in terms of doing the radio and stuff. So you, you just run into a lot of people, you know, through the years that you feel like you can you can lean on. And uh, like the Sims, uh, for example, uh, Phil and Chris Sims, they're, they, they're good friends as well as, uh, you know, outstanding broadcasters. And they're pretty well connected. And people like that are, you know, are a source for for things, everybody hears all kinds of things. Then you just have to sort through what you think is smokescreen, what you think isn't. And that's where it can get a little bit dicey, obviously. And I think you're one of the best in the business when it comes to the Bengals and figuring out what truly is that smokescreen, what is reality. You've pegged so many, so many targets throughout the years. This year, they're picking five. It's early. We think we know what's happening in the first three picks, at least a bit of a wild card there with Atlanta. You, I listened to you with Dan a couple of days ago, going back and forth there at the end. You talk yourself into Sewell, you talk yourself into Chase, and I get it. I've driven myself in those same circles. How are you feeling about it today? Well, I think that, uh, you know, around around the league, uh, people that I talk to, and it's not a, it's not a, a landslide. I mean, it's not a uh, unanimous decision, but I think the majority feels that the draft at the offensive line is deeper than at wide receiver. Uh, there's there's a fall off at wide receiver sooner in terms of talent, and there's less guys. Whereas with the offensive line, the fall off is more gradual, and there's a lot more guys. I mean, when you start talking about interior offensive linemen, you can get good players, you know, even in the fourth and fifth round. And I think that's uh, you know that's that's not beyond the realm of possibility from the Bengals' standpoint. But just like a lot of drafts, I think that, uh, you know, 35 to 75 is where a lot of work's done. You know, I mean, uh, and that's where you get a lot of value. And people, people go so crazy about the first round picks. And I think, I think from the Bengals perspective, they're just, they're taking five and 38 and combining the two and saying, you know, and just tunnel vision on five, what's the best value there? What, let's, let's see what might be there at the top of the second round when you have the 38th pick in the draft. That's still that's still pretty lofty. And what's the best uh, situation there? So I, I'm leaning toward, like a lot of people are leaning toward that they'll, they may, you know, go with chase and then take the best available offensive lineman there at 38 
and feel like that package is better than taking Sewell and the best available uh, wide receiver available at number 38, you know, just from a package standpoint. There you have it, folks. Dave Lapham leaning towards Jamar Chase. That's not the end of our conversation, though. We'll keep talking to Lap about the draft, about what Joe Burrow may need to do to adapt, about Frank Pollock and his arrival in Cincinnati and how that may shake out with Penny Sewell being one of the potential selections at number five. We're back into it coming up next. Who likes money? Well, I like money. Jake likes money. Guess what? Dave Lapham likes money, and I'm sure you do, too. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences you control. Wealthfront can even help lower the taxes you pay as you invest. And they're trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free. By going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL. All you need is $5,000 to get started. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL. That's W E A L T H F R O N T.com slash locked on NFL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NFL and get started today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Dave, if the Bengals do take chase with the fifth pick, did their actions in free agency kind of tip their hand or should we have seen this coming considering they lose A.J. Green, they lose John Ross, lose Alex Erickson, they re-sign Michael Thomas, but they haven't brought back or brought in any new receivers and they go out and get a Riley Reef who can start at right tackle and that's the plan now. Did they tip their hand on what they kind of planned on doing it number five yeah and i i think uh i think again um most people that i talk to feel that chase is the best receiver in this year's draft but it's not by a ton you know it's like one one a and one b i mean it's not like it's not like it's one and then it dips to two dips to three it's you know lsu and then the two at alabama i mean the, the, those are the three guys the, the sec receivers are the uh, the uh, you know the talent uh, the the top cream of the crop there, um, and, but and I think a lot of people feel like this receiver core is better than last year's receiver core, and that they've rate Chase as number one this year and last year. If you combine both receiver uh, draft classes, they'd still have Chase at the top of it. And again, not by a wide margin, but by by a bigger margin of guys coming out last year. Of course, Jefferson panned out. He had a great year. Everybody would take a year like Jefferson had with any of these uh, these receivers coming out in the early stages of this draft. But yeah, I think I think that is a factor. I mean, let's face it: uh, Zach Taylor likes to use multiple receiver sets, and you lost, uh, you know, pr- primarily, you know, AJ Green was a during his career with the Cincinnati Bengals was a, was a key member of the. If it was a you know one wide out, two wide outs, three, four, or five on the field, he was going to be a guy for sure. There's no doubt about it. So, um, you know, I, I just I think also, 
you, you can't base it strictly on this, but the fact that the year that they put together, Burrow and Chase, it's it's hard to, hard to ignore that 2019 season where one won the Heisman, the other one won the Blitnikoff. 84 catches, 1,780 yards, 20 touchdowns. Yards and touchdowns are still SEC records. 24 catches of 20 yards or more that led the country. So they were they were gashing people. You know they were they were getting the ball down the field and and you look at uh, with the hangover of COVID 19 still. You know the the pandemic. Um, what's going to happen to mini camps, OTAs? How how many teams are going to show up for them? How many guys are going to show up? Are they going to be? They're not going to be mandatory. What what's going to happen? What's the status of that going to be? Will it be virtual again? And then couple in the fact that Joe Burrow's rehabbing. How much will he be out there? You know, you don't want to be overdoing it in terms of throwing the football. So the fact that those guys put together those numbers and they already have a relationship that you're looking for uh, in a relationship between quarterback receivers based on trust and respect. And it's to the highest level between those two. And they did it against SEC competition where there's some sophistication to the defenses. There's good people in coverage, high draft NFL, you know, uh, picks that were taken. Uh, the year those guys put up those numbers. So you think about a transition and, you know, Joe Brady ran the offense. It was a pro-style offense. The Bengals have incorporated some of the stuff they were doing at LSU in this offense with Joe Burrow. So it would be an easy transition for Chase in that regard as well. There's there's a lot of reasons that, uh, you know, that it might be not, not just uh, – you can't just base it on that. He has to be able to play. <laughs> and, and the dude is a uh, – he's an explosive um, – consistent, strong, I think pound for pound, you know, people down there at LSU say he's as strong as anybody they have in the program. When he arm bars guy in his route, he gets separation. You know, he's one of those throws guys around when they're in press coverage. Um, he's good on the contested catch. I mean, his numbers are stupid. Four, three, four, 40, uh, 11 foot broad jump over 40 inch vertical. Just, you know, that's Martian, you know, that's like alien. It's crazy numbers. He tested like a fantastic athlete. Let's talk a little bit about the offensive line, though, because there will be fans, there will be those in the national media that look at the Bengals if they do pick Chase at number five and say they're dialecting their duty to protect Joe Burrow. Obviously, there's been turnover from the offensive line last year in the coaching department and in terms of the players. A lot of the players that gave up a lot of those pressures last year are not expected to be on the field a whole lot in 2021. The other thing that I think is really interesting, and Joe Goodberry pointed this out on Twitter today, but you go look at PFS time to sack numbers for Joe Burrow. He he held the ball for a long time. And so I want to talk a little bit about the linemen potentially on day two, but I also wanted to ask you what you think for Joe Burrow is going to be required in terms of, of that sort of development. Do you think that there's some sort of balancing act he has to do from his playmaking instincts versus, well, you're in the NFL now. We got to minimize these hits a little bit. Is that an adaptation you think he's going to have to work on? Yeah, I, I think I think all of it goes uh, hand in hand. I mean, when, when Joe decides to hold on to the football and then get out of pocket and create and extend, as a former lineman, you, you don't know where the hell he's going. You don't know what he's doing. So he, he's on his own. He took some shots, you know, doing that. But he's got so much confidence in his ability to get out of pocket and extend and create. Um, and he did it at LSU and he showed ability to do it in the national football league with the Bengals. But you, you, you do have to, uh, 
you know, weigh the pros and cons, you know, like the risk reward factor. And uh, I, I think, I think the scar on his knee is going to remind him of that. And the scar on his knee is going to remind his offensive lineman and his offensive line coach on a daily basis. We got to protect his butt, you know, we got to make sure that, that he has time to deliver the football. And if, if he does, if he does get out of pocket and takes a, a brutal hit, you know, that's, that's Joe's decision. But the, the hit that he, you know, ended his season on, that was an offensive line brutal breakdown. You know, I mean, you get sandwiched high low by a couple of guys that just got pull rushed and just, you know, it was a interstate 71 and 75 back to the quarterback. And he was uh, the meat of the sandwich, man. He just got, that was a, that was a tough deal. And he got hit when his knee was planted. I mean, if you're, you're talking milliseconds, a millisecond earlier, a millisecond later, when his foot wasn't firmly planted in the ground, like it was when he was transferring his weight and throwing the ball down the field, he takes a hit, but he doesn't shred his knee. But, you know, the, the football gods aligned uh, cruelly, and uh, he, he took that hit when he was fully planted, transferring his weight, getting the ball down the football field, and it shredded. So, you know, there's, there's – uh, everybody, everybody has to do everything they possibly can to minimize the hits that Joe Burrow is going to take. That scheme by the coaches, that's execution by Joe Burrow. That's a uh, uh, technique and uh, and protection scheme up front by the offensive line. I mean, you know, everybody has to collaborate on that and make sure that that Joe's able to do what he's able to do. And you know, to me, uh, man, you you take a guy like Sewell with the fifth pick of the draft. I mean, this, this dude is a he's another one that's a you know a freakazoid. There's no other way to to describe him. I mean, six five, three hundred and thirty plus pounds and you know, he's only, he turns 21 in, in, uh, in October. He won the Outland when he was 19 years old. I mean, that's, that's some, some crazy stuff, you know, and, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's definitely, definitely got physical ability. If they put him inside a guard, what's wrong with being another Quentin Nelson, like the Indianapolis Colts have that dude is a, I mean, he's a monster inside our <laughs> position. People can't handle Quentin Nelson he handles everybody. I mean, he inverts the line of scrimmage, you know, maybe Sewell would invert the line of scrimmage if he kicks inside the guard or if he's better at, if he wins the uh, battle at, at, at tackle and maybe goes over the right side, Riley Reef goes inside a guard. And you're talking about, you know, between Jonah Reef and, and Sewell, three high draft picks, you know, you got, you got some talent that you're, you're starting to work with there. And, uh, and uh, you know, I've said this a lot here lately, but you know, it's just, it's pure math. There's 11 guys in the football field offensively. I don't care what tam damn formation you want to run, multiple receivers, multiple tight ends, multiple backs. You got five linemen. You may have five wide receivers out there, but it's, that's rare. You may have three tight ends out there. Not a lot of teams do. A lot of teams go with two. A lot of teams end up just going with one. But you always have to have five offensive linemen. And there's 11 guys, so almost half of, the, of every single snap, half of the formation is the guys up front. And not all that many teams in the league have five guys they feel good about up front. There's a shortage. You know, a lot of guys at the high school level, you'll find a million guys, basketball players that, you know, are, are maybe, uh, let, let me try football. I'm going to play wide receiver. Hell, there's, there's nobody going in to play the offensive line. Nobody's volunteering to line up and put their hand in the dirt. But uh, you won't have any trouble finding receivers at any level. But finding offensive linemen, you know, at almost every level, because you have to have five – 
you don't need to have a dominant in, in Anthony Munoz or Andrew Whitworth necessarily to have a good line, but you better have five capable guys because they're going to find the weak spot, man, and they're going to they're they're going to capitalize on that. But cool. The thing about him is um, I like him. I like him a ton. I think he's the best prospect in left tackle. He's so powerful. You know, uh, like when Anthony came, when we drafted Anthony, he filled the whole doorway. You know, Anthony with the big hair, and there was no sunlight coming around him, you know. And, and uh, it's like, God, who's this? Then we go out in the field, and he's moving like a 205-pound safety at well over 300 pounds. Who is this guy? And that's what school's got that ability to move with that that big, strong body. So that's what makes those guys, those guys so rare, but like Anthony, you know, the knock on Sewell is he hasn't played that many games. Anthony, because of injury, didn't play that many games, but, and, and most, a lot of teams, most of the teams more than not had him off the board because of the physical problems, the knee problems. Bengals take him, reward. He get rewards them with a hall of fame career. Best guy probably to ever play that position. So, you know, with Sewell, it's like, yeah, well, he, he he opted out. He hasn't played that much. Shoot, Anthony, Anthony, the, the year that he came out, he played the first game of the year, ripped up his knee, played in the Rose Bowl against Ohio State with a with a remarkable recovery, dominated Ohio State, threw guys around like they were raggedy Andy, and Bengals drafted him. He played two games, the first game and the last game of the season, the Cotton Bowl. So I mean, you know, it's there's there's no there's no formula that that fits everybody everybody's got their own story everybody's got everything you, you know about it but the one thing about Sewell when I watch him I watch Slater and I'll watch others uh you know like Vera Tucker will they get to the linebacker level it's like it's like glue man it's like velcro and they finish you know sometimes the big boy is lunging a little bit trying to be real aggressive and it, it, he just needs more reps you know technique fine-tuned a little bit these other guys might be more polished, you know, a little bit more more mature from the number of snaps that they've played. But man, I know, I know the Bengals have a line coach, Frank Pollock, that would probably love to mold Penesu, love to mold him there. And that's why you see Dave, myself, talking ourselves in circles on Sewell and Chase, and we have been for this whole process. Coming up next, we wrap up our conversation with Dave Lapham as we head in to the 2021 NFL Draft. Our conclusion with Lap coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NFL Draft is here. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. We're talking about prop bets with over-unders for where Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts, Penny Sewell are going to go. I know off the top of my head, Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, both set the over-under at five and a half. So if you think Pitts is going to Atlanta and Chase is going to Cincinnati at four and five, you can win money today. Plus, they got all your Major League Baseball, NBA, and so much more in one spot. BetOnline.ag. So go there now. You can use your cell phone, use your laptop or PC. BetOnline.ag. Check out all they have to offer. it. And while you're signing up and you're making that first deposit, Make sure you use promo code LOCKED ON because you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, betonline.ag, use promo code LOCKED ON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Sometimes consumers have to make sacrifices to get what they need. With rockauto.com for auto parts, there's no compromise. They've got any kind of car part you can need for any number of makes and models out there that we keep getting new ones. 
And you don't have to go down to the chain store, wait for the guy behind the desk to type in your make and model. Maybe you don't even know. LX, RX, GT. There's a lot going on with vehicles these days. RockAuto.com makes it easy. The family business has been serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. The website, remarkably easy to navigate. And your prices are always reliably low at RockAuto.com. They're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Like I said, no compromise. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Dave, I, I could see your face light up when you were talking about Penny Sewell there. Just because of the prospects he could be and, and develop into, and he certainly is a, a freakazoid, a freak athlete, as you put it. What do you think it's going to be like for Frank Pollock? He just takes the job in January. Uh, if they do go chase and Mike Brown, Zach Taylor, Duke Tobin, Brian Callahan, they have to tell him, hey, sorry, Frank, we know you want Sewell, but we're going in another direction. You know, I think I think that that Frank will will be like, hey, you know what? If that's what everybody's the consensus opinion, consent, and I'm, I'm sure he, he may get up and hang his shoe on the table for Sewell. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, the, the thing is, you've got Mike Brown played quarterback, Zach Taylor played quarterback, Brian Callahan played quarterback, Dan Pitcher played quarterback. Everybody's a quarterback, you know, that, uh, that, that Duke Tobin played quarterback. You get five quarterbacks in on the on the decision process, potentially. And, it, and it's like, you know, they know protection is obviously a big deal. They want touchdown makers. They want guys that can make make big plays and, and, and win your football games. Um, and, and I think at that point, you know, they would say to Frank, look, do you feel like there's a guy at 38 that has to be more than one guy? Cause you never know when the run on a, a position is going to happen. Do you feel comfortable that there's a couple of three guys that you would feel good about at number 38? And if he says yes, and I understand that that would from a value standpoint, that works better than than having Penay Sewell and you know another another wide receiver at 38. I'm on board, and I think that's the way it goes. I, you know, there, every there's never a unanimous opinion. You know, a lot of times it's uh, it's an opinion over the years. There's an opinion that has to be broken by Mike Brown, the tiebreaker, or whatever the case may be. But normally, um, it doesn't come to that. Normally, there's a consensus, a majority. That will that will decide and rule, and and, and that'll be the case in this uh, one for sure. It won't be just up to Frank. Of course, as you point out, the draft not just one round. Per and and as you said, and and we talked about this yesterday before we talked to you. I don't think number five is the most important pick for the Bengals this year. I think that you you look at the last few years, they've they haven't found the Geno Atkinses, the Marvin Joneses, the the George Ilocas the you know Chris Henry level talents in, in third, fourth, fifth rounds that have been major contributors to the team. And that all starts on day two. You listed some names when you were talking to Dan Horde on the Bengals booth podcast that you liked at offensive line in the second round. Walker Little was one that surprised me with the, the question marks around him. Aaron Banks, another one that I think maybe will surprise people on draft night, but it's probably too early to really project who you think the Bengals will take in the second and third rounds. But, but who are the guys that you like the most in terms of fit, in terms of value 
once we get to day two. Yeah, I think you're right with, uh, you know, Walker Little. The thing with him, obviously, is uh, he uh, he opted out and then and then he had an injury that he, he's, he's had problems. He, you have to go back to 2018 to see tape on Walker Little. But the dude is six, seven plus, 315, 320 pounds, was a lacrosse player, five star recruit out of Texas. They play good football, high school football down there. He's the highest uh, rated recruit Stanford ever had in their offensive line. And, and it, it's kind of like a little bit of an Anthony Munoz story. You know, I mean, just because uh, he maybe he's in a situation where, like Anthony, never stayed healthy in college. And then in the NFL, he's one of the most durable guys that ever played the game. Uh, and then you see guys like uh, Billy Price and, um, you know, guys that, uh, Jonah Williams never missed a game in their collegiate career. And they come to the NFL shoot. They can't, you know, they're a candle one blowing their out. You know, they're not available. There's no, uh, there's no availability there. So you can never predict those kind of things. You know, maybe Walker little gets over the injury hex in his collegiate career and he comes to the NFL and body matures, whatever, and just, you know, becomes a guy that, uh, can really play because I think he does have some potential to play. Um, a lot of people I've seen mocks where he's been late first round and you know, that's, I'm, he may not even be there for the Bengals to, uh, to think about uh, Jackson Carmen's an interesting guy. Is, is he, would he be there? Uh, I, I think Clemson for whatever reason, man blocked everything and man that put him in some bad spots, but that's just coaching and decisions that are made in that area. I think he's a pretty good player. Uh, would he be there? At early in that uh, in that second round, um, Liam uh, Eichenberg out of Notre Dame. I think you know he might he might project more of a guard than a tackle, but you could he might be able to play both. Dylan Redunds, the kid that uh, from uh, North Dakota State that got the best player in the practice week at the Senior Bowl. Um, a guy that is interesting to me is I mean if he gets down to the third round, if he's still there, Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa. This dude, man, six eight. 315 pounds, ran a four nine, you know, and I mean, he's got 82 and a half inch reach. He's got 34 and three quarter length arms. I mean, this guy, I'm telling you, he's got, he's got some movement skills, you know, it didn't play at a high level, obviously uh, Northern Iowa, but man, come on now, you know, he might, he might have some potential Tommy Doyle up at, up at uh, Miami of Ohio, fourth round guy, possibly uh, another one, six, eight, three twenty. Runs pretty darn well. He ran a 5-1. His reach is almost uh, 84 inches. His arm length is over 35 inches. I mean, these guys project to the tackle spot. But honestly, guys, I think when you're getting down to the uh, – to the the uh, not necessarily the 38th, but when you get down to that 67th pick, I think you're starting to look at more of there's, – there's interior linemen all the way down to the fifth round. I mean, there's interior guys third, fourth, and fifth round, centers and guards. And some of them might be tackles that people are thinking can play tackle. Well, when push comes to shove, either they lack the movement skills or short arms or a combination of both, and they have to kick inside. But uh, I do think that there's going to be going to be some candidates there. And, and, and honestly, Akeem Adeniji, man, the guys watching him with his feet, when they drafted him, I'd seen tape on him when he was at Kansas. He's got some sweet feet. And this kid... I mean, he might be as good a physical talent that they'll get in the maybe I don't know about the second round, but boy, from the third round on, 
you're not going to get anybody better than Akeem Adeniji in terms of projecting him to be able to play in the NFL. I think he showed uh, in pass rush drills and everything else in his rookie year that there's something to work with there. Then you look at big Fred Johnson. I mean, the dudes, you know, these guys, six, seven, six, eight with long arms and Fred's Fred's that guy. He just has to get, make football a little bit more important to himself. And, uh, and maybe Frank Pollock can, can coach it out of him a little bit more than Jimmy Turner did. You know, some guys respond differently to, to different coaches. So they, it's not like they don't have anybody, you know, up front for Frank to work with. I think that's the thing that people don't, you know, realize is, is like, like you mentioned, James, you know, you, you went out and you signed Riley Reef, you know, and uh, Jonah Williams hopefully has a, has a healthy year like he did at Alabama. I mean, he's, you know, he's available to you on a, on a week-to-week basis. Quentin Spain is, is, uh, is re-signed inside. He's proven he can play, you know, multiple spots inside. You know, you only activate seven or eight, you know, on a, on a weekly basis in the, in the National Football League, but you obviously have to have other guys because, you know, you very rarely go through a, a season without having any injury to your offensive line. So um, I, I, I think Frank Pollock might say, you know, it's it's not as uh, it's not as dire as everybody out there thinks. We we got some guys I can work with, but I definitely want to add to it. I definitely want to add to it. But if you think that uh, you know it's better we go chase and then the best guy at thirty eight, I can live with that and I'll work with that. Last thing I think, Lap. Uh, it, let's stick with Pollock one more time here. How big of an upgrade is he going to be from from Jim Turner? You're around Turner for a season and then it was a COVID season. So I don't even think you were much around him in 2020. And you're obviously with Frank in 2018. How big of an upgrade is he going to be? You think? I know it's going to be a lot different, you know, from a philosophical standpoint. And, you know, the thing that, that Frank's got going for him is playing nine years in the league and, and, and playing nine years in the league with, he knows the importance of position versatility because he lived that, you know, he had to, he had to learn to, to handle more than one spot. And he, you know, he understands that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, the best laid plans uh, don't, don't work out. You, you're going to have to shuffle guys and guys are going to have to move around a little bit. Um, you may not have, you may not be playing next to the same guys every single week of the season. Uh, I also think that from what I remember of Frank, he wasn't a guy that, damn it, this is my technique. And I don't give a damn what your body's like shape, size, whatever. We're doing this technique. You know, so everybody's different. Some of these linemen have short arms and they're high-waisted. Uh, some guys have a long upper body and long arms and short legs and vice versa. I mean, they're, they're all shapes and sizes. It's not like every lineman, boom, comes out of a cookie cutter and you're, you know, you just punched out and everybody's the same size with the same strength and the same abilities. And so what you have to do is you uh, modify and mollify your techniques. And, and you have techniques that, that are applicable to what guys can get done with respect to their body type. And, uh, you know, some of these guys with short arms, if they've gotten to the National Football League, they've overcome a short arm problem by having unbelievable balance, and they're in a phone booth fighting, and they don't get thrown on the ground. They win those battles because of their feet. Can't get them off their feet. Um, so, you know, you, you, have to, you have to adjust and modify techniques to what, you're, what, what guys feel comfortable with and what they can execute from a body type standpoint. And I think, I think that's where Frank is so good. And I think he's going to, he's going to make a, you know, a significant uh, change to some, some, the way guys do some things. Uh, But I'll tell you, he'll rep the hell out of it now, man. I mean, he's, he's one of those guys, he's got, 
He's got all different kinds of sleds, all different kinds of machines. And there's no, there's no wasted time out there. Nobody's killing grass standing around with Frank Pollock out there at practice. I mean, you're on the hop, man. You're going from one drill to another. Johnny, come soon, not lately. Well, Dave, this was a real treat. I know you're slammed this week. Everyone, make sure you check out In the Trenches with Dave Lapham. And uh, like I said, Dave, we really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure, guys. It's, uh, it's a, a really interesting draft, isn't it? I mean, do you think – my feeling is I, I think there's a chance. I mean, if a quarterback goes to four, if Atlanta decides to go quarterback, mm-hmm. number one, Bengals' phones are going to ring off the hook. Will Detroit trade up if, if Detroit's like – well, this is the last guy, and, and I can't wait till seven. You know, what if Carolina moves up ahead of me to six, you know, with Miami, and Miami wants to accumulate more picks, and, you know, I, I want to move up to five, and I want to get that last quarterback because that was the guy that I had rated ahead of everybody anyway. And, I mean, just you just don't know. I mean, if, if the Bengals have the, the, the opportunity to pick the first non-quarterback in the draft and everything that goes along with that with respect to trade, you know, you certainly can't trade down too far if they're going to they're going to take the quarterback. And, uh, you know, you don't, you don't want to go any any lower than seven to make sure that you got your trio still available to you to pick. You know, so it's uh, it's in, this draft is real interesting. And, it, and again, just like always, the quarterbacks, everybody has to have their quarterback. So they're overvalued in the early stages of the draft. And then guys that are good quarterbacks are available in the later rounds. They slide because everybody running quarterback happened now everybody has other needs now the other runs happen and a guy that should have been a late first early second round pick is there in the third round and it's like damn so your quarterbacks either go really high or they start to become huge value you know as the draft goes on it's it's interesting every year to watch how this quarterback uh deal happens the market seems to be the same man everybody i gotta have my quarterback and then four, <laughs> four, four guys that fall out of that uh that initial rush, man, they're, they're, they're undervalued big time. I lied about the last thing. Do you, do you think the Bengals would entertain a trade down in that scenario? If, if they're staring at chase and Sewell and four quarterbacks are off the board. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if Detroit wanted to trade up, yeah. I think if Detroit wanted to trade up, even if they took one of those three guys, you know, you're still guaranteed of getting one of them. It's only two big picks down the road, you know, if the big three are still there. So if I I think it's probably in my mind, it would be chase Sewell and then Pitts. You know, I I know everybody's gone crazy and Pitts is on all these guys are worthy of being top five picks in the draft. That's why to me, I'm, I'm team top five. I'm not team. I'm team top five because all three of these guys, man, I, you know, it's, it's like, you can make, Perry Mason could step up and make a case for any one of these three guys and win, win the, uh, win the trial, man, it could happen. <laughs> awesome. Well, Dave, I appreciate the time. Like I said, it's going to be a heck of a draft and we'll be sure to be uh, checking out your podcast and, and uh, following along. I know you're going to be doing stuff with Dan as well on Bengals booth. So thanks again. Appreciate it guys. Have a good one. That's the goat James. That's Dave Lapham. Absolutely love that. Love that we got that right before the draft. Go check out his podcast at DL in the trenches on Twitter is the Dave Lapham in the trenches podcast. New stuff from him. Great insight into the Bengals as we head into the draft. And hey, like James said at the top of the show, make sure you do follow the Lockdown Bengals podcast wherever you listen to your podcast because we have you covered all weekend 
from reactions after each day of the draft, a recap coming your way after the draft on Sunday as well. We will be there with you every step of the way. We're even doing some live stream stuff, so make sure you check out the Twitter feeds for that at Jake Lisko at James Rapine on Twitter at Locked On Bengals for the podcast. A lot of things for you to follow. I have all the faith in the world that you can figure it out and get it done as the Bengals head into the 2021 NFL Draft. For James Rapine, I'm Jake Lisko. Until next time, Bengals fans, which will be after the Bengals make their first round selection, who day, and have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.